I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Online, on your mobile, and on FM. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio Greenwich. game to the blaze but unfortunately the first cut wasn't the deepest as Sheffield United turned it around to win. Plenty to talk about on tonight's show. This is Charlton Life. Life. (laughs) Starting to get a bit rusty at the end of the season aren't I? (laughs) Good evening and welcome to uh, Charlton Live here on uh, Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendez. Joining me in the studio here at the Valley is Mr. Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Not bad, thanks, Louis. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, you're fre- fresh off the bus from, from Sheffield. I don't know yeah. about fresh, but I'm off the bus you're anyway. You're off the bus, you're off yeah. the bus. And uh, joining us uh, from the wilderness back in the Charlton Live <laughs> studio for the first time in forever... Mr. Paul Chris, Crispy, how's it going? I'm very well, mate. You know, yeah. not not disengaged a little bit, but you know, I'm looking yeah. forward to having a bit of chat about it. Yeah, well, the, since you've been here for so long, he's got so much to catch up <laughs> on, which is good because yeah. we've got a lot of time to fill tonight. <laughs> tonight's show, <laughs> <laughs> tonight's show. Obviously, we're going to look back at yesterday's 
2-1 uh, defeat up at the league leaders Sheffield United and we want to know what you guys made of that defeat uh, you can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk or you can tweet us at charltonlive you can head over to the Charlton Live forum there's a, a, a uh, Fred on that message board if you want to let us know what you made of the game yesterday uh, unfortunately no highlights because the uh, recording failed uh, just just to add insult to injury <laughs> uh, but anyway you can uh, let us know what you made of the game do you think we deserved a point do you think you know is our finishing letting us down at the moment you know were there, were there signs yesterday but that we because we did play quite well against the league leaders does, does that bode well for the rest of the season and maybe even going into next season uh, so let us know what, what you think of that I say studio at charltonlive.co.uk or you can tweet us at Charlton Live, we're also uh, other things to talk about. Esri Conza's has got a new contract. Let's know what you've made of him so far. Uh, a question I'm going to ask Crispy is: I want to know what his views are on the takeover situation and on the season as well, because obviously we haven't heard from from, from your, you, you for a while. So <laughs> should be exciting. Yeah, it should be exciting. Uh, if if Carl Robinson, uh, if there is a takeover, would you keep Carl Robinson? Is one of the questions we're going to ask you tonight. Um, what are you going to do in the international break? <laughs> uh, and also, right, this is this is our second half of the show topic, but I dare say we're probably going to start in about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> what would our players be if they weren't footballers? So what do our players look like that aren't footballers? So, for example, Andrew Crofts should obviously... Some sort of comedian with his with his little jokes and his, uh, or his or maybe even a rapper because he can get his words out so well. Uh, but anyway, let us know what you think our players would be if they weren't footballers. I tweeted out a picture of Ricky Holmes with a chef's hat on just to you know, just to cook something up. From yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, nice. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. That's why he's on here. We've been missing you, Chris. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, uh, but anyway, yeah. First things first. We we we, we did lose the game, unfortunately, up uh, up at Sheffield United yesterday. Tom, you were there. You made the long trip up to Bramall Lane. Um, unlucky in the end. Uh, Our own downfall. Uh, yeah, I think unlucky would be a bit unfair to Sheffield United. I thought it was our own downfall. We were a bit sloppy at the back, and the goals we conceded were a bit poor. But we, for large parts of the game, we matched them, and we went toe to toe with the league leaders. And at the start of the season, that's something we'd have expected. But given how our season's been, and given where we are in the league, I think to be able to do that is is credit to those players who have improved over the last two or three games. Um, I saw a lot of people. Sheffield United fans after the game on social media and actually walking out of the ground saying we were one of the best teams to visit all season. Um, obviously, it's not much consolation for us because we're where we are and you know we need the wins. And I'm but sure they'll find that a lot easier to say that having beaten us. Exactly. Well. If, if we'd run out one nil winners, they they probably would have been so generous. I'd, I'd imagine not. But you know, as a whole and looking longer term and looking towards next season, I thought it was a competent performance. I thought we looked all right. We created chances. It was a bit of lacklustre finishing and as I say a couple of sloppy moments in defence that really cost us the game the way, the way that we started the game was so impressive yesterday I mean even after the goal we mm. uh, we, we, we saw I think Tony what hit the bar we had another one from, from Conzer I think it was quite early on having a shot, shot cleared from near the line um, it was that sort of gung-ho aggressive football that we've been expecting from Carl Robinson and, and we have seen it in, in bits and pieces but obviously not enough but for some reason it seems to come out in particular against the uh, the, the, the better teams you remember away at Bradford City we, we really went, went for them at the start of the game and you know the, the way we started yesterday I mean I mean, I think Carl says it himself during his interview. That, that's how he wants us to play the whole time. Mm. And yeah, I don't think our, our games against the bigger sides have been a problem. It's been those, those teams nearer the bottom, and I don't know exactly what that is. Whether that's a mentality thing that our players think we should be better than we are, or, or what. But yeah, we we started magnificently yesterday, and I said to the two guys I was with, you know, when we did have that what chance off the bar and, and a couple of others, I said we need. Although we had made one count, we needed another because. All of the play had been up that end and obviously it wasn't going to stay like that and Sheffield United were going to get back in the game and unfortunately we couldn't get that second goal at, at, at that time. 
we've seen it when we were when we were getting promoted out of this league four years ago, Chris. You remember this, like the way the way that sometimes as the, as the home team you have to grind a result. I mean, I remember a terrible one 0 win over Bournemouth, Warsaw, Bournemouth away as well. Yeah, <laughs> like the amount of times towards the end of that season where the, the season's dragging and you need to grind things out, and that's what Sheffield United did to us yesterday. Well, I think I saw Chris Wilder say. Um, in the papers this morning that he said look they've got some good quality players but we've got proper players and, oh, and, nice. and I, that's a nice comment I, yeah I mean I get I get what he means because that's what you know if you go back to the, that, that uh, title winning season is we had team uh, players that could grind out the results you know Kermigan was a quality player but he knew how to get involved and you mm. know get into the challenges and, and, and win games ugly um, and you had loads of players like that like your Morrisons and your Taylors and, and, and Danny Hollands in the middle so yeah they, they've got a team that is set to, to win that league and deservedly yeah. so um, we play some once again Good, good quality football at times. I think you know Robinson has been unlucky in that he can't pick a the same team each week. A team that can go and play that attractive, aggressive football. Um, and I had a funny feeling we were going to win yesterday. I don't know why. I'd said to my mate, I said, "Must oh, be all that, all I, that St. Patrick's Day drinking you did on Friday." Obviously, <laughs> obviously, I woke up with a hangover and went, "Oh, we're going to win today." We, we, we were eight to one, but I thought, you know what? Our results against those kinds of teams, like the Bolton Bolton away, you mm-hmm. know, um, getting that with, with ten men, made me think we were going to do it. And then going up early on you thought happy days but you know not to be you mentioned that Carl hasn't hasn't been able to put out the, the same side from from week to week because it was another three changes yesterday we see Cons are coming back which I think is a plus J, JFC and Byrne both coming back so you know we, we saw Jacko and Crofts and then Paige, Paige was out with an injury I don't think you, in terms of the lineup, I don't think really that you can have many questions over the over the lineup. was there anyone anyone you would have had in differently the only one for me would be Burns not a right back, but he's only just playing there because he has to. Yeah, I mean, Chickson's even more of not a right back. If that makes <laughs> sense, like, I like Chickson, but when he played on the right, that was that was difficult. I think it? because we played that diamond again for for large parts of yesterday's game, and I think what's difficult then is Burn is so exposed, particularly when Sheffield were getting that width down either side, and Chickson on the other side, I think, is competent enough on his own. But Burn, especially because he's just not a right back at all, he needs that support there and. I said on Thursday, if Pierce had been able to come back, I would have liked Conza out there, and that might have helped. But as it was, obviously they couldn't do that. But in fact, Conza played midfield, didn't he? So I suppose they could have put him out there and put someone else in the middle. But um, yeah, Burn was really not, through no fault of his own. He was the issue, particularly mm. in the early stages of that game. Yeah, Charlton Exile says after the highlights of uh, failed to record, has the recording of Carl Robinson failed too? Because as we know, Charlton <laughs> Exile. <laughs> doesn't like listening to Carl Robinson. Unfortunately for you, Mr. Exile, uh, it hasn't failed. And because of the lack of stuff we've got to talk about tonight, I'm playing it three times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, uh, the, we, we took the lead in the uh, ninth goal of the season. That was for, for Ricky Holmes. Uh, and, and, I mean, when you get a free kick on the edge of the box now, you expect them. Do I remember when, uh, when I think it was Guy said about Johan Berg-Goodmanson getting a free kick on the edge of the box? It's better than getting a penalty at the moment for us because Ricky Holmes loves bending those ones into the, into the back of the net. How many has he scored now? I think there's nine goals he's so, scored this season. In terms of free kicks, I think he's got... It's got to be three or four, three, isn't Three, I think, maybe. Wimbledon away, um, Shrewsbury away, yeah. and then that one as well. So, unless I've missed one, he's scored got three free kicks as well. But, Quality player. Yeah. We all know he is. I mean, the frustration is he missed, what, two months of the season? Um, that he could have been a massive, massive part of that. But he's he's played the last few weeks like he's got a rocket up his 
um, Jackson. Um, Jackson. And, and, you know, he's been a real quality player. I like the fact he's been given a bit more of a free role mm. um, because he's able to kind of change the game or, or get involved in challenges. But then you know what he's going to do with a set piece. Um, yeah. It's another cracking free kick. In, t- in terms of running, I mean, there's a, we, we did an interview with him after the game yesterday, but it's been safe for the paper on Tuesday, so we can't really can't use it tonight. But one, one of the questions was from, from uh, Clive was, where, where, where did you get your energy from? Because I, he, he just never stops running, does he? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's really, really impressive. And particularly, I know he's not, you know, he's not late thirties or anything like that. But he's not at the early stages of his career, and you just want more people like that because when you see him charging down, when we're two-one down away to the league leaders, and he's chasing down every single ball, it's just, it's so impressive, and it's something that gets the fans on side immediately. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's such a credit to him to. I think you said the other week that this is probably the pinnacle of his career in terms of where he's been. But to then get there and to just keep trying to improve and keep working and you know not just accept that he's made it now, for for want of a better phrase, and it's just it's brilliant. And he's he's worked so hard. And as I say, I wish we had more players like that sometimes. We, yeah, and then we saw that, like I say, that that first ten minutes in particular, but probably the whole of the first half up until the la- up until the last five minutes, we we were. In the ascendancy and uh, so, so close to, to doubling our lead with that overhead kick from, from Tony Watt. Now, Tony Watt was a player that all the talk on the train yesterday was about how he, he looks pretty useful as well, apart from one wrong, wrong decision in the second half where he went on mm. a great run and then everyone in the world could see Jay De Silva in space down the left, but he tried to go to Botarka. I mean, obviously passing to Botarka at the best of times is, a, is an interesting <laughs> decision, but uh, it was the wrong decision yesterday. And uh, but, but apart from that, you know, I think... Just think we see we saw a little bit extra from him again yesterday, and, and so unlucky not to score with that overhead kick. He worked so hard yesterday, and uh, yeah, you could see he was gutted when he made that mistake, and Carl let him know that he was unhappy with it as well. But I think he just genuinely didn't see him because he was running the other way. But he again just chased everything down, and yeah, since he's come back from from Scotland, he's just looked a different player, and it's taken a little bit of time for him to get his. I think get back up to speed to to English football, and I don't mean that necessarily as a discredit to Scottish football, but he has taken I mean, a while to, to get back. But Scottish football's discredit talks for itself. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> but you know he's started to get back in the goals now. He's started, and there's there's no uh, no surprise that the fact he's working harder and getting goals are, are kind of coming together because I think when he first came back, he was a little bit sluggish and he just wasn't getting in those right places and, and now he is and I think that penalty the other night or the other day has given him a lot of confidence mm. It's also the fact with, with Watty though is it, you know, he, those first few games he did play he played up top on his own mm. and he yeah. can, that's not Tony Watt we all know that's not Tony Watt he can, he can barely do that with three up, up top you know. <laughs> but it's great to see him getting a run of games having a partner alongside him You know, I wish it was McGuinness and not Novak but mm. you know, we've got to deal with what we've got yeah. But he's back to his yeah, best. But, I mean, you mentioned over there. I mean, he, he himself had a, a flicked header from from in the, within again within the first ten minutes. He put wide. But I mean, again, hard work from Novak. There was one point in the first half yesterday where he was back. He tra- tracked back to the edge of mm. our own six yard box to put in a glorious little sliding challenge on Lafferty. I think it was who'd come up the uh, the Sheffield United left. And you know, in in terms of hard working, mm. that's something that. You know, we, we we remember the rant that that Carl had at, after Shrewsbury, where he accused players forty percent of the players are not not caring enough. Um, you know, since since then, Northampton aside, I, I I do feel like I've seen a reaction in in terms of in terms of the the, the general effort level and uh, the general desire just to go that extra mile. And, and you know, whereas it's, it's earned us a couple of points here and there, it's in performances in particular have improved over the last month or so. Yeah, I don't, uh, to be honest, I don't think since that we've really got all we deserved. I think we've deserved more based on those performances. I think the difficulty for strikers, particularly someone like Novak, who's been in and out of the team, is 
they're going to be judged based on their goals. Um, you know, if you look at it, the hard fact is, as a professional footballer, you want them to work hard and you expect that. But the truth is that we haven't got a lot of players that do do that, and there's plenty of players across the leagues that perhaps don't work 100% every single game. But Novak is, and he's not letting the goals let him down. He's not letting the criticism from some portions of the fans get him down. He's just working hard and working hard and working for the team, and those goals will come. Uh, and as I say, he's had a broken season as well, so he's found it difficult. It's the same with McGuinness, and it's the same, obviously, what went away. So it's no surprise that we've struggled for goals because the one man who's clinical at this level isn't even with us at the moment. Mm. So that, that's that been the problem. Um, that's why we haven't won more games uh, because on the whole, I know there's been patches in the season that we haven't, but on the whole, our defence has been OK. Um, but, you know... I'd like McGuinness alongside Watt too, but if Watt and Novak for a little bit can just get a bit of run, I know it's coming towards the end of the season now and that's frustrating, but they're linking up more and more now, you're seeing in the game, and you know Watt's knowing where to stand when Novak gets the flicked headers, and as Crispy says, having two up front just works for us, whether Carl likes it or not, and you've got the runners from midfield, so it, it is a shame because we're where we are and it's too late in the season really to to influence anything in that top half but we are starting to look like uh, the side I think we expected to have when we started this season Freddie's just tweeted in saying I disagree with a player being hard working just because they run around aimlessly Novak has no vision and no idea he says a Novak love brigade is on trial I think that's a bit strong Freddie implying implying we're sitting here saying Novak's the next Messi but I was saying it, I, I know what I saw yesterday I know he was running around like I say he tracked back when he needed to he had, he had a couple of efforts on goal you know we, we need the goals to come for him mm. he was involved He was involved with the flick on that made that chance for, for Conzer in the second half as well and that's what I say he is going to be judged based on his goals and I know Nath in particular defends him a lot I, I'm not quite that far I don't defend him for that and I think for example his miss the other night here was, was inexcusable for a striker of that quality and, and that much experience but he is working hard, and as I say, we do want that from every player, and we, you know, it should be something that just comes with being a professional footballer. But it doesn't all the time, and he's still doing it. So I, I do give him credit for that. Now Sheffield United had their first attack on the on the fifteenth minute, and it led to a goal. Sure enough, across uh, from from Mark Duffin, there's, there's just absolutely no one marking uh, O'Connell. He stayed up there, the defender. I think I can't remember if it was a, a corner or a free kick they'd had that came back in in the end, but. I mean, Konza didn't close down the cross and, and then Teixeira seemed to fall asleep when O'Connell just, just uh, pulled away in, inside the six-yard box. Yeah, he was just unmarked in the middle of the box and so frustrating, particularly frustrating for me as I have a friend who is actually related to him, so <laughs> that was annoying. Um, but yeah, it was just it was, a, it was a good ball in, but it was so unfortunate because, as you say, it was their first attack and we'd been the better side and we could easily have been two goals up in that stage and then to concede such a sloppy goal as you say, by falling asleep at the back a little bit, we, you know, you want the league leaders to have to really earn their goal against you, uh, and we didn't do that, and it, you know, it put them back level. It got the confidence up because the crowd had been very, very quiet up until that point, and that was almost like a turning point, really, for them. I mean, I know you weren't there yesterday, Chris, but in terms of our defending over the last few weeks, I mean, have you noticed at times we have, we have, we have a situation where sometimes we, we fall asleep or get out muscle? Yeah, for me, as I was saying to you um, before we came on the air, was I mean, I'm, I like, I love Teixeira. I think he's a, I think he's a great player. I, I love Patrick Bauer when it comes to being in the air, but do I rate them together as a partnership? No, I don't. Um, that's where we have missed Jason Pierce, or it'll be good to, you know, when Constance's been there at the back as well, it, it does help. Um, you know, I was just having a look at the, the last fixtures. I mean, our last clean sheet was the Millwall game in January. It's a miracle, that is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you kind of look at that and go, yeah, so it's, I could have seen it coming. It was great to see that we were all over them in the first 10, 15 minutes, but was it a surprise when I seen we've conceded from our, their first attack against the league leaders? No. Right. Um, it was just a shame to see 
yeah, the, the the kind of falling asleep part from from Tex and the the easy finish really for the for yeah. the the, uh, the striker. Yeah, coming back to Novak, I think uh, Freddie's just said maybe we saw different games than yesterday, but I remember seeing him struggle to pass and he panicked. <laughs> On the ball, Marion says, I don't like saying it uh, as I try to keep positive, but I haven't been impressed with Novak from what I've heard. Uh, okay, and then uh, uh, Freddie says, quick question, what did you think of the atmosphere yesterday? I thought the home crowd were dire. I mean, uh, they certainly, I mean, they're certainly, after the first 10 minutes, they were getting on their own team's back, which I was surprised by. But the, the frustration boiling over when we were we, winning corner <laughs> after corner. And we had them camped within their first, within their 18-yard box in that first 10 minutes. I mean, did you... I've, when they got going towards the end, they certainly cheered quite loudly. But what did you think, Tom? I, I thought they were okay. I think when you get an away side that are 16th or whatever we were in the league come to you, you don't expect to go behind so quickly and to be, you know, honestly, they were outplayed for the first 15 minutes. Completely outplayed. They couldn't even get their foot on the ball. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't blame them for being a bit quiet. You know, we've seen that down here. We get on our teams back after two minutes sometimes. <laughs> um, but when they scored, I thought the atmosphere did grow. I think. Saying to you before the gate, uh, before the show, I didn't realise just how big that stadium was in terms of capacity. I think it's over thirty-two thousand, but f- for a, a ground that big, I don't think they were as noisy as they can be. And you, you know, you compare that to Tuesday night here when there are about six thousand in here and the noise we generated. I, I do see that point of view, but at the end of the day, they that last ten minutes, they knew they were going to win the game. They were singing about winning the league. You know, I don't think they were that bad, really. Isn't it just the natural response now, though, for the home, the home fans? It just seems to be regular, not just us or Sheffield United, but so many clubs where if you don't, if you're not the kind of aggressor in the first ten, fifteen minutes, mm. and you're kind of giving the away team respect, then then the crowds do get on the well, back. It's, it's, it's probably always been like that, I imagine. Though, I mean, football is a very frustrating game, but it's also a very fickle game in terms of yeah. if you are Absolutely. playing well and winning leagues. If, if the, the last 10 minutes of football you've just watched hasn't been very good and you're getting frustrated, then you probably show it as a crowd. And that's, that's probably why they, t- they turned on their team early on. Uh, right, I mean, even after, even after we, we, we saw the equaliser. Uh, actually, just one question on that, because I had a couple of tweets in to me, people suggesting they, a couple of people saying, oh, should Rudd have done better for the gold? I mean, six yards out. I mean, I, people asking, should he have come out? I, I'm not certain about that. I think that's people looking for, uh, looking for something to moan about, because obviously he did... He, he, Balls it up on on Tuesday with the, with the rebound, so people are looking to maybe get on his back for that one. You, you, you obviously mucked up on Tuesday, yeah, big big time. But I, I mean, I know I haven't been on it uh, a lot this year, but I think one of the shows I did earlier on at the start of the season, I said that my dad had kind of uh, who I sit with all the home games had said that he wasn't sure about Rudd when it comes to crossing and coming out to, to claim. And I've noticed it a fair few times that he doesn't. You know, I don't. I, I think I've seen the goal like once from yesterday, so I can't really make that much of an opinion, but. He hasn't been the strongest when it comes to command in that area, in my opinion, over the over the season. Um, mm. I know that Robinson's come out and said he'd, he'd wants to, he wants to keep him, but I actually thought Dylan Phillips was doing fine when he was he was in goal. Um, I'm guessing it's just in his contract that he's got to play when he's here. Yeah, I imagine so, or or at least in the fact that if, if we don't play him, they might have been tempted to recall him. But you know, I mean, if he doesn't stay next year, and I, I see no reason why Dylan shouldn't be given his chance here. No, I mean, the, the, I've, I've heard. <coughs> Someone whispering that they, they reckon Dylan might have to go out on loan again next season as well. But I mean, for me, I, I'd, I'd give him a chance here. I, I don't think he, he, he maybe letting a slightly sloppy goal against the Blades at home. Other than that, I thought he'd done fine. I think he was fine as well. I think, as you both say, I think when Rudd's fit, he's going to play p- partly because of his loan, but also because of the reputation he's got as a as a better keeper. But for me, and I think I said this on Thursday, I give Dylan the run to the end of the season, see how he gets on, and if he's fine, then. He can be our one of our main keepers next year. If he struggles, then then you know that you're maybe going to have to send him out on loan and get someone else in. But when he came in before, I thought he was fine. It took him a couple of games to get into the swing of things. But 
that's you know not a surprise for someone so young and then I think he did fine since then so yeah I'd be I'd be keen to give him a shot mm, Freddie said of the Sheffield United crowd it's their biggest season in six years they don't even have a drum pounding and dedicated set of fans singing he found that odd uh, there you go right um, so we saw a couple more chances I think uh, Tony Watt had an effort that was tipped wide at the near post uh, and then I'd say Sheffield United probably ended the first half on top. Uh, we saw that that ball across from from Billy Sharp. And Billy Sharp, I mean, thought we, we did all right to try and keep him quiet in the first mm. half. But he, he had that that ball across the face of goal that we nearly went for Hansen at the far post uh, just before half time. And then we saw Ebanks Lendl had a header that might have even just grazed the crossbar at yeah. the end of it. And it was just, it was just that head of steam that pro- half time probably came at the right time for us, but then start of the second half they they started in the same vein anyway. Yeah, definitely. It was about five or six minutes to go, I think. And I, and again, I turned to the guys I was with and I said, if we can go in at one all, we'll be very pleased with that. Really, um, <clears throat> you know, disappointing given the first fifteen minutes, but then the way that that half panned out, I think we we'd done well to restrict them and, and hold them to one all. So I was pleased and. Again, given you know some of Carl's team talks, again I, I don't want to keep going back to Tuesday night, but the way he our team turned around at half time, then I wondered whether he would be able to sort us out. But as you say, Sheffield came out start of the second half and pretty much picked up from where they left off. And at that point, I thought, right, we're going to struggle here. And you know, again, I was saying we we needed to have taken those chances and we hadn't, and it looked, just looked like a matter of time yeah. till they went ahead. And then we got sloppy at the start of the second half again. I mean, yeah. Billy Sharp peeled away from a corner and had an unmarked uh, header, which he planted wide. But then it was only a minute later, and the, and the, the cross comes over from this near side. I think it was um, Lafferty at the far post, and I mean, where's the marking? I mean, it did. Uh, Declan did really well to get down to that that save and and you know reaction save and you know, people might ask if he could have pushed it wide but I think he came in so quickly he could just do whatever he could to get something in front of it and then obviously it's, it's rolled straight to straight straight to him on the line and he can't miss from there but you know the, the the question for that one again is could we have stopped the cross and again why is there no marking at the far post? It just seems to be the kind of the natural part is the marking problem you know we we have, we are struggling a bit at the back I, I think you know it's a kind of common thing at this moment in time that we we are. A bit leaky, um, and then when we do get the chances up top, we're not taking them. Hence, why we're losing by the odd goal. I mean, that's, mm. that's you know, been the consistent part of the season, isn't it? Really? Yeah, uh, and I said it after the game yesterday, and I kind of put jokingly, you know, it's like the phrase if me auntie had, you know, the phrase because we are saying if we were a little bit less sloppy at the back and if we scored more goals, and it sounds stupid because well, that's what you need to do to win games anyway. But it is just very, very fine margins at either end of the pitch that are costing us at the moment. There have been other parts of the season you know you look at that Northampton game where we've been appalling um, but at the moment we are so close to being a good side mm. we, we are a good side we're just so close to picking up and moving that you know couple of steps away and securing yeah. league I know it sounds sad but yeah. securing league one football <laughs> next year I don't think we can say we are a good side and then five minutes no. and, then, yeah, and then say but we're, yeah. you know we're, we're building it feels like we're building on something mm. now and uh, we just need to keep that progress up and, mm. and you know one or two more wins to secure that and then start looking to next year really and, and it's interesting really because I mean I feel like around the the, t- the turn of the year with, with the Christmas period we probably felt like we were on a, quite a similar run to this one where we started stringing a couple of performances together but then it fell apart so the, I mean the, there's a couple of questions about why why that happened and how we're going to stop that happening again this time um, <clears throat> it, I, I find your comment that we're a good side interesting because there has certainly been times this season where we've shown that we can play we can play some decent stuff, but the, the lack of consistency for me suggests that a good I wouldn't say good side I'd say we're uh, we've got some we've got a good performance in us not not good enough not more not consistent enough to say we're a good side I think is probably fair. I, th- I think for me I've kind of, I've said it a few times th- this League One is a 
pretty poor league now if you compare it to what it was four or five years ago and I think a lot of the teams are about as good as each other um, and I think you know where it goes down to is that consistency part can you grind out those results hence why Sheffield United are sitting at the top I don't think there's that much of a difference in regards to the quality of the, the players on the pitch mm. they, they've just got the grinders and we have played some good football but I think as a, as a, a unit as a team I don't think we've got that at this moment in time and I think that's why Robinson is con- continuously saying I need new players in the summer. I want my squad, which he's, yeah. he's been pretty open about, hasn't he? Yeah. Now, uh, our first chance after they got their second goal fell to the man we wanted it to. That's Re- the man in form, mm. Ricky Holmes. But it left left-footed effort on the, on the half volley rising, and it, it, it rose over the bar. And then, I mean, it, I felt like as as the game was progressing, we were picking up position. I mean, Sheffield United missed a couple of chances from distance to. To, to see it off in the last few moments but I mean we, we had the biggest chance to equalise when that, that from that forced Kasky cross got flicked on by a big Novak and uh, and then uh, ironically I think the flick on from, from Novak even though that was the reason it went to Ezra it probably would have hit yeah. a defender otherwise uh, it, it just slightly changed the direction of the ball enough to, to put Esri off uh, and six yards out I mean because it, if it had come clean to him you would have put your house on him and home from there and just one of those ones I mean he'd had such a good week hasn't he Esri he's just signed a new contract and been called up to the England under 20s uh, but then, unfortunately, did just fluff these lines just just when we had the chance to to top it off with a goal. Yeah, I was gutted for him. He just just couldn't sort his feet out. And I think you're right. That first chance that Holmes had, I, I was disappointed he didn't take a touch there. He kind of a bit of rabbit in the headlights, kind of snatched at that. And then, as you say, I, we all said that that flick from from Novak just put him off a bit. Unfortunately, as you say, whether it had got to him without that, I don't know. But it just kind of came to him. He didn't know which foot to go with. Kind of went with both, but also neither. And it could just kind of bounced off him. Um, it was such a shame because, as you say, it would have been the end to a, a pretty great week for him. And I was a bit worried for him after that because he was sort of hobbling around after. And I wondered whether he would taken a knock. And obviously, given that he's going to be off with England, whether they, we'd have to bring him off because I'm sure he does obviously doesn't want to get injured ahead of that. Mm-hmm. But um, managed to stay on. But yeah, so so unfortunate for him. Yeah, um, the way that. Uh you know the way that then after that was our last big chance really wasn't it I think that's that's where you saw Sheffield United grind the game out and you know it, like I say a couple of times they had, they had chances to kill it off late on but in terms of defensive there they, they certainly tightened up for the last 20 minutes or so and even though we had a lot of possession especially in the last like I say five minutes we're, mm. we're doing that bit as the away side where we're just pumping balls in it it, it wasn't going to happen to us and and United had the, had the know how to, uh, to to see it out, and that's the reason why they're you know, champions elect. Yeah, yeah, that that was the problem, as as you say. We we were a, we had a lot of possession in their final third, especially for that last fifteen minutes. But there were just no gaps, and as you said earlier, the the biggest chance we then had was when Tony Watt broke away on an, almost on a counter attack, and Jada Silva was bombing down that left hand side, but but Watt was running towards the right hand side, and as I say, I just don't think he saw him. And, if he had, uh, Silver would have been uh, De Silva. Sorry, would have been clean through, but uh, that would have been a counter-attacking chance. But again, I, we just kind of we got around the area, but couldn't quite get that final chance away. I think Ricky had another one from the edge of the area, which he smashed over. But again, that was from outside the box, and I think those ones just kind of showed it wasn't going to be our day. But as I say, I think on the whole, we put in a good performance, consider- given where we are and given the season we've had. Uh, I was impressed with the side. Yeah, we, 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 when you when you take that game and that performance, and you know the, even the result when you go when you go away to the league lead, if you t- if you take that just as a single game, you probably think yeah, you know obviously we've got beat, we've played well, we've taken the game to the league leaders. When you put it into the context of where we are in the, in the league, and we're, we're not safe yet, especially after Port Vale's win on uh, on, on Friday evening, it, it obviously it, it takes a bit of a, a bit of it, any any positivity. It, it takes a bit of it off because of where we are and the season we've had and the disappointment we've had. But you know. Singly, I thought that was a good performance. You know, a disappointing result, of course, but 
it's just, it's, it's just the way it's gone. It's the way it's gone probably for, for us this season. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a disappointing one. Um, <clears throat> you, going, kind of go back to that season again that we when we won the league. How many games did we win by that one goal mm. which we talked about? And now it's just happened the opposite way, and, and you're struggling down near the, um, the the bottom part of the table. We didn't expect to be here at the start of the season. Of course, we didn't. But you know, we just need to make sure we're, we're still in there for the for the next year. I think if you look at the games we've got in April, yeah. Twood, we should be fine. You know, MK but Dons at home is a is a game we'd, I'd expect to win. Um, Chesterfield and Coventry away should be relegated by then. Mm, but, but that's when we haven't performed this season. <laughs> <laughs> we played teams yeah. like them, right? And yeah. Marion Marion thought she'd seen a, had a good uh, had a good <coughs> sign yesterday. Said yesterday there was a robin going mad in my garden. Uh, I thought it might have been a sign we did play well though, uh, unless the robin was five yards away from whoever it's supposed to be marking. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it wasn't a sign, unfortunately. Right, um, time for Charlton Exile to turn off. Uh, we're going to hear from Carl. So we've still got plenty of tweets that you guys have your views on the game and email as well. If any if anyone wants to add anything, you can email studio at charltonlive.co.uk. We can tweet us at Charlton Live. There's plenty of comments to, to read out after we hear from Carl Robertson. We want to know what you guys make of his comments as well. But this is uh, we caught up with Carl uh, after yesterday's game. Uh, and, and he was in a, a reasonably positive mood. Carl, narrow defeat at Sheffield United today. How did you feel after that one? thought we were the best team for a large part of the game. I thought certainly in the first half, um, they might, to, to get the, the league leaders to change their shape after 20 minutes just shows our dominance. Um, they then got into the game for 10 minutes. We felt that we couldn't reshuffle our pack because any other system would have gone with two in midfield or three in midfield. And then they would have outran us in some ways. Second half, we came out. We got hit with a sucker punch stupidly, and from then on, I don't think Dex made a save. But uh, I think we missed three or four good chances again. Um, I can't fault the players' mentality. I can't fault the players' effort. I just said to him in there, some of them are surprising me with the mentality at the moment, and I'm, I'm happy with that. You've come to the league leaders, and you've been clapped off in some ways towards the end when we walked in first. It just shows you that we've got a lot more to come. How we play in the first 25 minutes is how I foresee this team playing and uh, at the back of the end of all these games that we've played we've played more games than most teams in League One in the last four or five weeks to still have a physical output like we did today was quite remarkable You certainly started very much on the front foot in, the, in that first half you didn't come here with any fear No but I don't want my teams to have fear I don't, that's not part and parcel we shouldn't with Charlton um, we should have that mentality always while we're in this league um, because we should have this bravery and balls to go up against teams and we did um, thought the hitters on the, on the counter attack in some ways from a, a silly error from us both of their goals are tap-ins from two or th- four yards out and that, and that can't be the way we have to work hard to get our chances uh, but with the diamond worked again I thought the two strikers worked the socks off the back four looked relatively strong um, and I don't think anybody can say we didn't work hard or try hard today after, after that first half I guess the timing of the second goal must have been a little bit of a setback oh, no I said, to, I said to the lads as they scored listen you've got sometimes that's not a, that's not a bad thing it is if you're weak because this place can cut you open sometimes. Um, a bit like the Valley. Well, the Valley certainly does. When, when, we, when we start well, it can, it can demolish most teams. I thought we dealt with that because obviously we're used to this intensity because of the, way the, the fans we play in front of every week. So we, 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 we rolled the storm um, and then we got our, another foothold in the game and then we went again and we finished off the stronger team. You said during the week that you were jealous of, of Sheffield United, what they've done. What, what did you learn about your own team today that you hope you'll take into next season? The, in, the, in the two boxes, we have to be better. In our box and in their box. I think what we're starting to get now is a way of playing. 
So in between the boxes, the ball was finding a way and dominating the possession and, and regaining possession. But you've got to find that clinical edge in the final third. I think Ricky Holmes, captain of the team today, was quite sensational once again. And he normally puts them in the back of the net, so you can't. We just got we're a little bit away. But after today, I don't think there's been many teams that come here and outplayed them possession-wise and have more shots on target than them. I don't think many have done that at Bramall Lane all year. The intensest spell of games you've had. It must, is it a slight relief now to have a, no. a little bit of time off? Well, yeah. Yes, in almost some ways, but listen, it's been hard, but I've loved it. I love being involved in football. So we are going to have a break. We're going to shut the place down for a few days, and then we're going to go again. It's give me perfect time to test the players before they go. Before we uh, start the back end of the season, so we know where they are with body fats and fitness levels and, and hydration levels and a number of different things that we want. I want to start implementing within internally. It's not been there before, so we can start keeping them better, uh, more of a monitor on what they do away from the game, and uh, that's important to me. Cool. Cool. a bit of a double-edged sword coming off today. Um, you've got uh, a fine line between that decision-making process in the final third, as you say, uh, and then but the fact that you're in there in the first place. Yeah, and once again, Death makes a great save and just drops to his, to his feet to tap it in. Don't see that happening down our end. But we, listen, we, we're at the moment, we have to play well to win. We're, we're, sometimes we're not getting that little bit of rub with the green. The fans were excellent, they sang right the way through, the supporters do thick and thin as they always do. Um, but I think they're starting to see a team that cares, a team that is willing to run around. Listen, the league table doesn't lie. It's rubbish where we are. We know that, me and all of us included. But it's about us rebuilding this club. This, these have been through difficult times here, they'll tell you. The fans will openly say it's been difficult for four or five years inside Bramall Lane. But I don't plan to be around for four or five years. I plan to turn this around sooner rather than later. And I need the right players, the staff to be motivated, the players to be motivated to play for the fans and the badge. And uh, we can't fall into that rut of being in this league. We've got to find ourselves some sort of momentum from now to the end of the season and grip it with both hands and be as aggressive as we were today. Uh, Arguably one of the most difficult places to come. We've been to, um, it's not Boundary Park, it's not, it's not even the Reebok, it's one of the Macro Stadium now. Um, and then we've been to Bramall Lane here today and we've looked like we play with no fear. But we've got to find that quality when we go up against teams who are in and around us. Um, you've got a two week break, as we said. Is there a possibility we'll see some bodies back? Hopefully, yeah. But listen, the players, the players who are playing at the moment certainly having a, making a good sort of push to keep the shirt. So they've got to work hard to get back in now. Might sound like a strange type of question, but how, oh. how do you, how do you, when you said you know you you need to play well at the minute, and obviously yeah. United probably feel they could have played better, but how do yeah. you get a team able to win without playing at this point? Well, that's, the, that's that's the key to winning championships and gaining promotion. You'll know, and you'll watch a lot of teams up and down the country go into games. You think, well, how did they win that? Um, but that breeds momentum and success. We need to find a solidarity, we need to find a, a compactness when things aren't going quite our way and rely on great finishing. I remember when we were Chesterfield with MK once and they battered us. We won 1-0, Benneke Fulbridge quitted the halfway line and put in the top corner and then we defended for our lives in the last 15 minutes and we walked away 1-0 up. And you think, well, where's that come from? And that's sometimes what you need at the moment. We give it to Tony and Tony's been fantastic and he just misses the post or Keith makes a great save. You just gotta find that inner belief in yourself to, to overcome that. <laughs> Fox throws it in towards the box, towards Pierce, gets his head out. Oh! Pedersen! Another penalty for John. They have a second chance to redeem themselves, the addicts. Heard protesting his, Indian, uh, his innocence, but his hand was up. 
and Pierce's header cannoned off Hurd's arm. Can he maintain his composure as he steps up to strike this right footed? He does. And yes! the goal down the bottom left hand corner, and Charlton have played a get out of jail free card here. You've got to say as Nicky Jose pulls Charlton back level. From the home of time, time, this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. Carol, a heavy defeat at Burnley today. How do you sum that one up? We were good. Charlton Live. Talking about Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Just hearing there from Carl Robinson after yesterday's 2-1 defeat up at Sheffield United. Running time to go. says, why do fans keep saying that next season uh, KR will get his players and we will progress? What part of Roland Duchatelet's three years gives you that hope? I mean, I think... For me, I mean, the, the whole the whole thing is hinging on the hope that there, there'll be a takeover. I mean, if there was a takeover in that time, then I feel a lot more confident that he would be able to build a squad that he wanted. I, you know, I mean, I think nat- naturally football fans will always look for next season, or oh, this will be our year, and I think there, there will be a bit of that as well. But for me, it has, to, it has to be under a takeover for there to be any chance of anything different to what's happened this season happening. Yeah, yeah. every, every time my dad just goes, oh, it's going to be an interesting summer. And it's like, well, yeah, we say it all the time. And then we bring in like six people and let go of 15. So, you know, we end up with a smaller squad than we started the, the year before. But, um, yeah, the, the reason why I, I said that and Robinson getting his, you know, hopefully his players in is, yeah, genuinely because I, I hope and you know, I believe that it's, it's going to happen. I don't know why, but it's, I'm, I'm thinking it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. And if it is going to happen, it has to happen April, May, so he knows what he can plan and who he can bring in and what budget he's got. Yeah, exactly. That's what if, it, if and when it happens, yeah, we hope it happens as soon as possible, really. Uh, Roland, time to go at it. If Roland is still here, it will be Groundhog Day all over again. And I uh, certainly agree with that. What did you make of, of Carl summing up of the game yesterday, Tom? It's... <laughs> It's difficult because I, I do like him and I, I do think I, I want to give him time as well. But it's the same same stuff we've heard plenty of times before. Stuff about the badge and the fact we're Charlton and all this. I think you know I'm not I'm not too concerned about what he says really. I think he's summing up match stars in terms of the fact that you know we had our chances and we we did match them. And certainly the fact that he said our position in the table is rubbish because I think we can all agree with that. Um, my main concern is, is let's get what I think will be the one win we need now to secure League One football, as I say, um, and just get that done. Um, and, and as you've both said there, I think naturally we're then going to start to look to next year because this year is pretty much a write-off now anyway um, and start shaping a, a side that can, can go next year. Hoping. Ho- hopefully we'll, we'll mm. be able to anyway. Right, let's, let's have a look at some of the other tweets that have come in throughout the show. Uh, Brian Haynes says, In the second half, United gave... Uh, a masterclass in holding on to a win. It wasn't spectacular, but it's getting them promoted. And I very much agree with that, Brian. Uh, Freddie said, oh, it was a great day out yesterday. Fantastic away support from us. Played great football. Just can't take our chances. Uh, Bradford, Bolton and Sheffield United fans all saying that we should be top six with the football we've played and the players that we've had. Interesting. Now, obviously, because of the way we've we've risen to the occasion sometimes against the, the, the better teams this season, and obviously the, the fans of those teams will only ever see us, in those games I mean I can't imagine any Berry fans will be coming down and saying <laughs> Charlton should be in the top thing. six that's what they? I was about to say well, like, <laughs> what do the Oldham fans say after they've been down here that Tuesday yeah. night so um, so it is, it, but it is just, and it is, that is part of the frustration of this season uh, sometimes it's part of the frustration of always being a Charlton fan actually sometimes we, we can tend to raise our game against, against the better teams uh, and, and, and that's what it, that is what we've done this season and just ask, ask that question of why we have been so inconsistent with, with our games against the, the other pub teams in this league 
Yeah, I think we ju- we've well, we've drawn too many. That's been the problem, isn't it? I think the expectation is, you know, when the the Oldhams and the Berries and what have you come down to our place, that we we have this mentality that we expect to win. I mean, I understand that and why we should do that because there there are poor teams down the bottom. But um, yeah, we just we just seem to freeze every time against those guys because I think we're expected to win, and that's always been the case with with over the years that we we seem to struggle under that kind of expectation. And, yeah. and as you say as well, that that last year when we did go up, we were put. And we were getting those one nil wins against those sides and we were putting those teams away and this year we just haven't been able to do that yeah uh, Kevin's got a couple from Kevin he says uh, just just in now he said uh, Carl Robinson could possibly do well for the club I just wait, uh, just wish he'd let someone else do his talking <laughs> which is probably I mean, I'd agree with that yeah I'm, but I, I imagine if if say it was a different story and we were at the top of the league and flying and Carl was coming out with all this the badge and all that I mean people would be lapping it up wouldn't they mm. it's, it's one of those things that if we're playing well and winning then I imagine I imagine people would enjoy what we're saying it's just it, it results is the only talking he can do really yeah and the results ain't been there and that's why people are frustrated with him I think well the first few weeks he came in I mean I know he didn't win um, lots of games at the start when he came in but the football was better and then everyone was kind of we were lapping up a little bit with what he was talking about but as soon as he went on that run of losing then it became oh shut up Carl you know we're yeah. hearing the same thing and I don't need yeah. this I want to see us get three points because yeah. I remember I remember saying actually uh, probably after a week or so of him being here saying he has talked a good game so far now let's do, let, let's do the talking on the pitch and then but obviously that hasn't hasn't happened in terms of in terms of results uh, Tom, um, uh, Kevin also said doesn't seem to be a leader in the back four organising the defence Jason Pierce is a big miss mm. and we know he played that, that 60 minutes for, for the under 23s last week at Wimbledon uh, and there was some hope that he was going to be on the bench yesterday but I don't think he was So um, no he wasn't I don't yeah. know if there's another game for the under 23s or whatever this week where he can get some more game yeah. time or... I mean but, but uh, like we say in, ter- in terms of the defence I mean, we mentioned it earlier with Texan Bauer we always feel there is a mistake in there yeah uh, so it, it, would, it would be good to get him back as soon as possible because I think it probably throughout the course of the season he's probably been our, our best defender out of interest if you were to pick two out of those three obviously Pierce would come in who would you have next to it Bauer or Tex well that's a tough one that's a really tough one um, I'd go Tex I'd have go Tex. Tex would you yeah I think yeah, Bauer's yeah. just I, I like him but I think he's got too many mistakes in him agreed and I think Tex's goal threat you know I, we joke about playing him up front but I think his goal threat it, you know you shouldn't discredit that hmm yeah. Okay. I, pro- I'd, I think I probably would lean towards Tex as well because I mean, having then said that, Bowers winning flick-ons in, in the penalty area, isn't he? Mm. Uh, there we go. <laughs> hey, I'm going to sit on the fence. Play all three of them. Yeah. We'll go three-five-two next yeah. year. Stick Bower in goal. <laughs> uh, uh, Matthias says Rudd uh, has done fine this season. Only a couple of goals has been his fault. Some of the saves this season have been. Great. Uh, Freddie says Tom, your overstab was phenomenal yesterday. Saw him. Cheer- Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
cheering the team on, commanding and telling people to keep going. Yes, he was. Yeah. I, I have been quiet this year, but especially on Twitter as well, but I've really noticed Tom's loving for... Uh, for <laughs> I can't get enough f- of him. To be fair, since he's come back in, I think he's been superb. Yeah, it just culminated in, was it last week, after the home game against someone... Was it Walsall? I just, it was, couldn't, was couldn't even tell you. He was that gazed yeah. in love with him. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the recent home games. Yeah, it was Walsall. Yeah, one, yeah so he, after the Walsall game... We're sat in the press conference room, and, and w- how it works is like most of the reporters all stay around for the manager. But by the time the player comes in, half of them, like most of them, are already gone. So by the time Freddie came in, it was literally just me sat there, and Tom was still sat there behind me. And, I, and Freddie walks in, and I turn around, and Tom was just <laughs> smiling from ear to ear. And I, I was worried there was going to be some sort of uh, incident during the press conference that, that would have required me to step in. <laughs> but, but luckily, there wasn't. Tom just chased him outside for a photo. As I say, yeah. As I said when I took the photo, I was professional. Let, <laughs> let him finish his business, and then chased him out the studio after yeah uh, I think Freddie adds there I want him personally uh, permanently sorry not personally that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's me, me. Yeah. Tom, yeah. I want Back him off, permanently Freddie. next season <laughs> uh, Finchie says that, that Mr Carl Robinson talks a good uh, game which is probably fair right shall we hop on to some of the emails uh, Matthias uh, I saw Matthias yesterday he says uh, hi lads I'm left feeling with what might have been on yesterday's game it was a tight game and felt it was much better performance than the cup game <laughs> Last time we played at Bramwell Lane, yeah, that goes without saying. So it's a great scene, Louis. Uh, it's great to see me hey, uh, catching up. Uh, next game, I will be going. Will be Chesterfield, and we can meet up again. Excellent stuff, Matthew. Our Sheffield-based addict. So it's probably for the best that, that we didn't. Uh, that well, no, we lost, didn't we? <laughs> but at least we put in a performance <laughs> that was less of an embarrassment uh, than it was last time we played up, in, up at Sheffield. We didn't have to go home, did he? So that's all right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, literally ten-minute walk. If anyone wants days. to try and find Matthew's house, just walk <laughs> in a ten-minute circle around Bramwell Lane, and he'll be there for you. <laughs> Chris Davin, uh says uh, so we played well unlucky to lose blah 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 but we did lose again uh, Robinson has been at the club now for half a season near enough and has won four games in that time dress it up how you want to meet it's abject failure he came in talking playoffs and now it's staying up he's lucky Roland owns the club any other owner would have said bye bye by now Actually, well, I'm sure Roland's, Roland's the most trigger-happy owner I've ever known. Yeah, Charles, so I'm not, games not, for a long yeah, while. Not sure I uh, agree so with it's, that. It's the uh, same amount of points that Powell had at this time mm. when he started his first twenty. Just saying, yeah. I know I'm not comparing. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris goes on. How long can the apologists for Robinson keep making excuses for him? It has been pointed out that the previous useless manager under this regime were at least useless in the league above. Can't wait for Duchatelet to sell up and take Robinson with him. And then that, that raises the question now, and, and get your tweets in on this one, um, and your emails and whatnot. Um, if there were to be a takeover, which is obviously the rumour at the moment, would Carl Robinson survive the, the, the cold that, that would happen of, of people who would have to leave? Now, and would you want him to? I think he would survive. And I think... I'm gonna, yeah. Do you know what? I've had a little think about it over the last hour or so, and I would, I would keep him at this moment in time. I don't, I don't really see what, what you could change around. Give, give, I would give the guy a chance. Mm. I, I think the football has been. I know, you know, February was awful, but I'd much rather see the football we played under Robinson than the the dire stuff we had under Slade before. Mm. In my opinion. Yeah, Tom, would you? Would you? I think uh, if you're a new owner coming in, I think there's only one manager you're going to bring in if you're going to get rid of Carl. Um, I think we all know who that would be. Um, Ian Dowie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking uh, <laughs> Les Reed. <laughs> no, I think, it, look, he's he's not been brilliant, um, but, you know, and he does talk a lot, but I do take on board what he's saying. He does need the players that he wants in. Um, this squad's shown over the whole season, not just the time under him, that they haven't performed well enough to go up this season. Some of the performances have been better, like yesterday, and as I say, I know that that's not 
a great comfort for some fans, but it has been better. Um, I, I just think we're so trigger happy at this club, and it's so easy to turn everything on the manager. And I, my personal feeling is, if he's given a bit of time, if he's given his summer to get his players in and given a whole campaign, like Crispy just said, we can't directly compare him to Chris Powell. But when Powell first came in, he won four games in a row, and then the rest of that season was shocking. And then he had a, some time to build his own squad, and look what happened. And if Carl's given that, be it under Roland or under somebody else, and there's no reason we, we won't improve next year. Mm, yeah, um, Freddie says that I think he should stay as well. Now, for me, I think I've, I've probably made my position quite clear on this. I'm not going to try and beat around the bush and say that r- results haven't been good enough, as, as we fully well know throughout, you know, throughout this season, uh, and particularly you know, since Carl comes in, they haven't exactly improved, have they, in terms of results. Um, but, you know, part, part of my problem for, for, that we've had for three years now is that we don't get a manager in for, for a long enough time to... Mm. Have his transfer windows. Obviously, he's not backed, in my opinion, anyway, in terms of the amount of players. But you know, if there if there was a takeover, which is what we all, what I think would be the best thing to see, um, then then you want to try and keep some, some consistency because when if if Carl has started building his squad, and like I say, he, he talks about he talks about in January the desire to get a certain sort of age of player and on for a long contract because you want that consistency, that chance to build up a team, a team ethics and momentum, a you know, similar squad and that sort of thing, get to know each other. Then you know he has started that, and I think we should give him a chance. You know, I'm not I'm not one for let, for chopping and changing too often. It's, it's the consistent problem that, that's been under this regime is that every summer, as I said earlier, is six will come in, but actually twelve will go. Yeah. And as much as you might bring in six quality players, or you might think a quality, but the squad isn't isn't strong enough to to survive in this in this league, or you know in the championship previously, and now in League One, you need to have a squad in, of around about twenty five. Mm. That will actually be able to play. You can't keep bringing in kids and giving them a chance just so you can go. Oh well, well you know they'll go out the, the window for you know a couple of million pounds. Mm. You need a squad that, that can deal with it, and that's what you know Powell was able to do. He brought in yeah. eighteen, didn't he? Mm. Okay. Yeah, and the ones he let go were were the ones that needed to I go. Think that there's two points there as well. One is we've seen a side over the last month that at one point Olverstad's had to play centre back, and for a, a good month now Nathan Burns had to play right back, and I think that just shows that squad. I think the other problem is that not only do we only bring six in and get rid of 10, 11, 12, but those six are that manager's six players and eight games in, he's gone and his new manager come yep. in. And so this new manager then has January where they bring in Roger Johnson and a couple of others, maybe rescue us, and then the whole cycle starts over again. He brings his players in that next summer and then he's gone five, six games into the following season. So that's why for me, Carl Robinson, with a bit of consistency, if he gets his players in, he's got. if we don't go up next year or we don't challenge next year, he's got no excuse. Mm. And at that point, you can say, do you know what? No, it hasn't worked out. But I don't think it's fair to judge him just based on the rest of this season, particularly with what's been going on behind the scenes. If you kind of think about, you know, in the summer, kind of what you'd expect to happen. So all your, your loanees will all go back. Yeah. So we've got five or six. Six loanees, yeah. Um, five and, and Jada Silva, because, you know, <laughs> bless him, he just sits on the bench. I know he came on for a bit yesterday, but I don't really see the point of him being here, to be no. quite honest. Um, but then, you know, Cro- I, I wouldn't expect Cross to get a new contract. I don't I really don't hope he does. No, me um, And I'm sure you don't, yeah. And, um, and there's probably a few more that are out of contract. You know, Johnson's pointless, but he'll be gone. There's, there's, there's eight or nine that will go. But then it is a case of if it's under this regime, it will only be six or seven come in. If it's under potentially new investment, then it could be that 15, 16, 17 that, mm. this, that this needs, this club needs. Mm, yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. 
it almost feels redundant talking about managers when, when we're talking about when, when, when there's the, the, the hope of a, of a takeover because that's the most important thing really in terms of re- rebuilding this club right I'll, I'll put it out there on Twitter and we're getting a, a, a wide variety of yeses and noes uh, so Robert Bailey said yes you would keep Carl Robertson <coughs> Andy Laparta says god no I couldn't care less if he won every game 7-0 he shouldn't be Charlton manager uh, David Jarvis says depends in, in, could we have a homecoming instead with a picture of one Chrissy Powell uh, Jack Bennett says 100% with a, te- with a decent owner I think uh, Robinson could be successful for us uh, Freddie replying to David Jarvis says you never go back to the past it would ruin the memories we have of Powell uh, Two Footed Tackle says no not a great coach talks too much regime rubbish uh, when he didn't have to Charlton can do better than Robinson um, and then Freddie's going back on himself there saying but does Powell have unfinished business at Charlton well he certainly does he does yeah because he started building something uh, oh, this is interesting. Right, Charlton in Exile, who hates the sound of Carl Robinson's voice, says, You might be surprised to hear this, but I would keep Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I might ban him from talking publicly, but can see no mileage in changing uh, manager. And Ray Bates says, On listening to uh, to Carl Robinson's interview, is like listening to my missus. I just glaze over and nod in agreement while thinking, What on earth's going on? <laughs> uh, right, well, let's have a, a quick break just so I can build up to uh, some more emails uh, back in 30 seconds or so. <laughs> Welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. It's Sunday evening, Louis Mendes, Tom Wallin and Paul Crisp in the studio. Let's get back onto those uh, emails. I've done that one. Uh, we're going to hear from Jim Dutton, says uh, on Tony Watts. says, fair play to Watt for his work rate and for getting into decent positions. With a bit more luck, he could be on a 4-in-4 four four goal streak. Shame he doesn't head the ball. Surely that's something the coaches would be uh, working on. Uh, and he adds that we've probably got a heading coach since, uh, since we've got so many coaches as well. I mean, like I say, I mean, we're talking talk about work. We've seen those two goals from Tony in the last few weeks. And like I say, I thought, he, I thought he, he's been putting in you know, a hell of a lot of effort yesterday. So unlucky with that, with that overhead kick. I mean, mm. you know, we, we, we've seen some false dawns under Tony, unfortunately, over the years. So, I mean, do, do you worry this is another one? No, I don't, actually, at this moment in time. I, I think he, he seems like he's in a bit more of a settled place. I know he obviously was, he was homesick, wasn't he? And that's why he wanted to go back to, to Scotland. And Yeah, he, had his in, he, he was struggling to deal with his injury as well. So yeah, was, so he it seems game. like he's, you know, he's, he's playing games. He's, he's starting to get, you know... Give, well, say fit, but you know we all know what um, he's running like. But uh, you know he's obviously working hard and putting that effort in. I don't. I'm just going to ask actually. Does anyone know if his contract's out at the end of this year or is it next I, year? I feel you have one more. Oh, yeah, I'd have to look that up off the top of my head. I'm yeah, I'm not 100. percent Someone look that up for us. Yeah, someone look that up because that because that would be an interesting one. Mm. If he was at you know out of contract, then um, you know would you, would you keep him for next year? If you, if, you, if he keeps playing like this, then absolutely. Mm. He's another one that although he's been on our books for two or three years now, he's not really ever been consistent. Has he? Because he's been out, he's been in, and he's been out. He's been 
so many other clubs and he's never really this, I don't know what the longest run he's had in the team of starting games is but I wouldn't think it's massive and probably this <laughs> yeah he's had four or five games in a row here and you see the difference it makes you know Carl said about Jacko putting his arm around him and kind of teaching him you think he's had an extra couple of years so he's maybe growing up a bit you know he's had a run in the team he's working hard I think all of these things are coming together for him um, I like Crispy I don't think it's a false dawn and, I, and I, I hope it's not because I think he is someone that we could I'd like to take forward into next year and not necessarily mould a team around but be one of those first names on the team sheet certainly mm. uh, Freddie says that Tony's got one more year on his contract so. cheers Freddie interesting uh, that right uh, one more, an email from Marcus says hi guys any more news on Ahmed Kashi would love to see him back in a Charlton shirt that's what we were saying we were literally yeah. just saying that off air I mean I haven't heard anything, but I'd be shocked if I ever see him in a Charlton shirt again. <laughs> well, I would have said the same about Watty. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I would, I've said that a few times this season, uh, with, or a few times over the last couple of years with certain players. I'm Naby Sar, for example. I bet we're seeing him heading or, up the or Reza. Or Reza scored, yeah. scored again today, by the way. Is he 15? He's got. I could, yeah, no, I, I, I had yeah, to have did, a look. I did see a tweet from something. There's, there's, there's something about Charlton strikers can score just as long as they're not playing for Charlton. Mm. Seems to be. <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, even Yan's scored ten goals now this season, hasn't he? He's got. He's a Novak got fifteen last year. Didn't yeah, he, so. but yeah, yeah. Yang got his 10th goal of the season for Reading up at Hillsborough on Friday night absolutely skinning uh, Morgan Fox in the process <laughs> <laughs> need uh, to see that yeah right um, that's all the emails for now apart from a couple on our subject which we're going to come to <laughs> later on in the show which is if Charlton players weren't footballers what would they be uh, so let us know what, what you think our players look like would they they'd be good at if, if, they're, if it's not football which in some cases it isn't of course <laughs> but right other uh, other things that I thought we'd talk about now Crispy you haven't mm. been in for ages, so mm. I'll lay down the gauntlet to you. I want to know yeah. how you're feeling about the the takeover rumours that we started hearing last week. Oh, uh, positive, absolutely. I think you know everyone was a bit excited on social media last Saturday. Um, I couldn't help but message you to see if uh, you could help me out and, and know anything. Um, and you know you, you were relatively positive about it as well, which was good to hear. So yeah, look, you know it's what we it's what we want. You know, there's not many people who are pro the regime are there there are still mm. there are still some and that's their opinion but for me you know this this club can't move forward anymore um until they're gone so you know from from my side bring it on yeah. the, the only worry it will always be is what what is the investment where is it going to come from and are they going to treat it like a toy but if they're going to actually put money in and care about the results then great i mean re- realistically can you see any way i mean this is probably this is probably having an obvious answer to this one, but realistically, can you see any way that the current regime can win back the, their hearts and minds of the fans? Win, you know, from what they've done before. I mean, there, there is. I just can't see what what the point is of them still being it. No, I don't, I don't get what the you know. Everyone said it. The end game. What 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 is the point? You know, it's just it's completely failed. You know, it's. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to every home game this year, but I have been a bit more disengaged than ever. And it is sad when you go there on a Tuesday night and see so many empty seats and what have you. So, you know, it, it can't it can't turn around under this lot. You know, it just really, really can't. Mm. Oh, I'm glad, glad we heard so your. There you go. Glad we had your thoughts on that one. Now I'm, I'm going to be about the same as everyone, aren't I? Yeah, really? yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, right. I wanted to um, I wanted to tell you guys a story now about my journey home from from Sheffield yesterday because I managed to embarrass myself as always. Uh, but anyway, so uh, we're getting on the train up at Sheffield. Uh, sat, next, sat opposite a Charlton fan. Uh, I, I recognised him. I'd seen. I knew I'd seen him before somewhere, as you do with, when you go to the away games. You see the same faces, sort of thing. And he sat there with his Charlton cat, his little son with him as well. Uh, and we, we got chatting away about um, about you know talking about Charlton the game, this and that. And then uh, for some reason the the uh, the uh, conversation went on to Arsenal. We were talking about because the, the Arsenal fans had a protest. Uh, and obviously, I mean, obviously, again, it's each to their own. But I was sort of sat there saying, oh, you know what? To be honest, for me. 
you know, you, you can see if you're an Arsenal fan, you'd probably expect to be doing better than, you know, challenging for the league title. You know, a, a big four team like Arsenal, Chelsea, they, they, they should be challenging for the league titles most year. Whereas they're quite consistently, consistently in a good position in terms of top four, but failing. But then, then, it, then I came on to saying, but for me, you know, I, I think it's out of order they're protesting against Wenger after everything he's done for this, for this club. At which point the, the Charlton fan who I was sat opposite explained to me this is his first year of being a Charlton fan after he stopped supporting Arsenal because he got beat you know, for protesting against Arsene Wenger, so which is that wasn't awkward for the rest of the journey. Yeah. I mean, luckily I managed to save it by going, "Oh, you know, each to their own and all that." <laughs> but um, I mean, I was, so that's the question. I mean, he, he, he's well into it now. He's a fellow called Frank, and he, he brings his son along. Oh, I remember the reason I recognised him because he was, his son was a mascot at Fleetwood. Uh, and so Frank was stood in front of me for a, you know before while the players were warming up, having the, have, doing the photos with all the players. And I thought I remember tweeting him saying, "Oh, it looks like you're having a good time." And that's why I recognised him. Um, so a couple of things on that one. I mean, the first thing is, I hope I mean not too offended by this, Frank. But I just can't understand how you can switch allegiance like teams like that. Yeah, and from Arsenal, all the clubs yeah. to go to, uh, you know, hmm. it's not like we were like really going. Oh yeah, come and go to Charlton. We're yeah. really exciting so, football. We just yeah. got relegated. So, so. so, so I, I have to admit, I was a bit confused by that. But I did think, it, 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 it might, even though after all the crap we've been through over the last three years, there, there is there is still something of a pull about Charlton about coming to our club, to our games, and mixing with our fans. I mean, I, I was thinking that on the way home while while well, speaking with Frank there of all the the nonsense we've had to put up with recently. You almost forget how fun it is watching Charlton and how it can be and the friends you 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 form around the club and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you, you know, for me, I, I could never ever change allegiance, no matter what. As much as I, you know, I'm not happy about what's going on in the club at the moment, I still I still can't stop coming here. You know, for me, it's not just about the friends you've made out of it, um, but also you know the fact that I go, I spend my Saturdays with my family. You know, it's my me, my dad, and my brother when he's not at universities, he comes back, and it's just part and parcel of the last 20 years of my life. I mean, you can't really get rid of it, can you? So. Um, yeah, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a strange one from Arsenal to Charlton, but you know, as you say, each to their own. Yeah, and uh, in terms of watching, I mean, Tommy, like I say, you went up there yesterday, and that's part of like throughout all the like I say all the stuff we've had over the last few years. There's still there is still that excitement that you get from from your away days and, and spending it with your friends and stuff. That like I say, it's probably almost all too easy forgotten with all with all the the stuff we've had to put up with. Mm, yeah, and it's it's not necessarily easy to come on a show and say you know what the performance was good because I know fans aren't going to want to hear that and I know performances haven't been good but you know what given the stage of the season I do think we're going to survive this year and again I know this isn't what we want to hear but that's where we are now Um, and so it is nice to go to an away day as you see bumping into people that you know and a lot of people that I know obviously since coming on this show and it is when you just enjoy a game of football for what it is. It's the same as we all. I think we all said after the game on was it Tuesday, and we yeah, just said game, it, yeah. we just said it was a really good game of football to watch. And yes, everything behind the scenes is still bad. Um, our position at the moment is, I think Crispy said something like the worst since sometime in the nineteen seventies. There are plenty of bad things still going on, but sometimes it is good to just go and appreciate it for what it is. And there are still good points to being a, a Charlton fan and. And as you say, going to those away days it is a big part of that. Mm. Peter Finch wants to know if Ackerman Cash is going to be the new Corey Gibbs. Well, at least we've seen him a few times. So, <laughs> so we know we definitely know he exists. Um, Roland Times Ghost says, what's your thoughts on Jose scoring goals for Swindon? I think he got another one yesterday, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and our strikers struggling. Should we have recalled him? I'm not, I mean, I'm not certain if we can. I don't uh, think we if, can. If we could have recalled him. I mean, we have obviously recalled... Um, 
uh, Brandon Hanlon. But I mean, probably the, the more pertinent pertinent question is: Should we have not sent him out in the first place? I mean, he weren't he weren't really doing it here, was he? Even though he, uh, at the same time we say that in terms of performances, but he had scored seven goals. And I'm going to sound a bit like Robinson, but you know he keeps on going about the work ethic and all the mentality. You know, Jose just never looked like he really gave a monkeys mm. when he was down here. You know, he wasn't really you know throwing himself about or giving that work ethic. The only problem with it, well, the only problem we ever had with Jose when he was here is we weren't making him chances. Yeah, you know, Jose, majority of the time, he'll put the chances away. He's done that for, for the last few you know, weeks for Swindon, obviously last year. And once again, you say about the Charltonized, you know, when they don't when they play for Charlton, they don't score. When they go elsewhere, they do. So maybe it's just us. I don't know. Mm. Uh, right, Sebo says that we have to remember that Carl Robertson's only had the January window to bring in players. That and the loan window has been scrapped. I and mean, we've got enough loanies as it is anyway. But I mean. In just in terms of having just one window, I mean that 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 is that tends to be the shelf life of most child managers. One transfer window, uh, but even if I mean you've got the uh, the handicap of having that one window while running De Chatelet, the owner of your football club, and even though he, he's bought in loads of money from the sale of Adam Ola Lookman and Morgan Fox, you know for for me it doesn't feel like you're supported to the extent that, that we need to be. No, we haven't spent anything on, on in that time frame. Um, you know, I think Robinson probably wanted to get in two or three more. I would have reckoned during that time. It's about the same as. Slade with his patience in in August, <laughs> as you well know, Lou. But those were the good old days. Oh, they? you know, a bit of patience. But you know, yeah. once again, you could see the frustration for him was he knew he needed more people in and he didn't get them. And then you know, once again, the, the squad struggles because it's it's too thin. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like I'm sound like a broken record at times. But that's been the most frustrating thing, part for me. Thing is, I don't think there's been any manager under Roland that's not said that. Yeah. and maybe not when they've been here. But you know, the. Uh, getting to know the network podcast all of those managers have come out and said they were never back like they needed to be Powell at the start said this is what we need and it, and it didn't happen and as you say then Russell came out and said it and and Carl said it straight after the January transfer window as well so it, it's a running theme as we've always said the issues are far bigger than the manager and the players at this club and they go far deeper um, and that's why I think all this news and all these rumours are, are so important that, that they're true and that something comes out of it because otherwise we there's no guarantee that Carl's going to be backed in the summer either. Oh, Roland, this is a good tweet actually from Roland time to go on the Ajose situation. It says, remember that Carl Robertson was only playing one up top when, when Ajose was here. Now two up top would have suited him. Now that's, I mean, that's a great point. Because yeah, very fair point. I think... Um, I don't think one up top suits any of our strikers apart from maybe Josh McGuinness and it's taken Kyle a little while to start playing the two up top and I think we have a little more danger so like I say I, I've, even, I've you know, got some stick from it from Freddie earlier but I think Novak's been better since we started playing two up top you know and, and, and I think that is a great point maybe I mean but having said that we also were playing two up top as, as, towards the start of the season weren't we where yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah, it wasn't a diamond in the midfield really mm. was like, I think the diamond works a lot actually yeah. as well um, you know I'm Jacko has made such a difference sitting in that holding role mm. for, for me um, because he can just break it up and do that job and it allows the other three midfielders to go forward and make chances for the two up top. Yeah, you know? because it's interesting how long it took Carl to sort of make because because like it was quite apparent that he, he has his preferred formation, which was the four two three one. But and, and but but at the same time, while saying he didn't think that the play, we had the players <laughs> for it, he still persisted with it for quite a while, which is. It possibly might help explain the, the reason why at, at times we struggled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I completely agree. And he said he was going to come in and do it, and he did. And as you say, Lou, I think you know we kept calling for four four two on this on this podcast, and occasionally he would change things up mid game and go four four two, and we kept saying, "Well, it looks better." And then he'd go back to the four two three one in the next game. I think 
I think given time, if uh, a Jose and McGuinness ideally had played together in a 4-4-2, I do think he would have grown into the shirt. But then, like Crispy said, when he was here, he'd, his work ethic just didn't didn't seem to look quite right. Um, but yeah, I think the frustrating thing is it depends who Cole brings in in the summer, but I always think that we look better in a 4-4-2 anyway. Mm-hmm. I think the only problem, as I said earlier, is at the moment is the fact Nathan Burns a bit exposed at right back, but... That's not his fault, but I think if we had Solly there and Chickson on the other side, the four four two diamond would work really well. Uh, Jimmy sees that Slade did play with a Jose two up front uh, two or three times, and he was pretty awful, unfortunately. And Freddie can't can't keep away from any Novak stuff this season. Says I really do think <laughs> Novak is awful. Every week I've seen him play, I think he just runs around like a nutcase with no end uh, product. Uh, right, let's have a let's have a little quick break. Then we're going to come back onto what other Charlton players would be if they weren't uh, if they weren't footballers, which some some of you will probably argue they aren't. So am I still waiting for this world to stop hating? Can't find a good reason. Can't find hope to believe in. Trey Herbrot, can he get across into the middle? He can. There's Cousins to the far post. Yeah! Let's go Shelton Live from the home of time. time. This is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. I don't do mine. I let my missus does it. He obviously gets bullied and lets his miss. He does it. Shelton Live. Welcome back, Shelton Live here on Maritime Radio. As you could hear, uh, Chris, we just explained to Tom there. (laughs) Ray Bates has asked us to uh, to give the the Upbeaks walk a mention on uh, on the eighth of April. Obviously, Ray will be there with his dogs. One of which is called Bailey. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard about Bailey. He's the, uh, I don't know exactly what the, the term for this type of dog is, but he's a, he's a dog who's very genteel and uh, goes to meet the upbeats and they can play around with him and do what they want with him. He's, he's, like, he's a massive, scary-looking dog, but he's also the world's friendliest dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that walk's going to be on the 8th of April, which is before the game against Southend. South South End. Yeah. I forgot what they were called there. <laughs> and, um, uh, and Tom, you're going to be on the walk as well, and that's something to look forward to, and it will, of course, help to raise money for a very worthy cause. Mm. Yeah, I've never done it before, but... Um, I've always been in awe of the people that do. It's a it's a big commitment. I know it probably doesn't sound like a lot to some people, but that's a long old way to be walking. Um, and as you say, yeah, a great cause um, and a good chance, from my point of view, to to see the upbeats more sort of firsthand because I see them, you know, paraded around the pitch once a season. But that's really it. And then obviously come on the show and do things, talk about the, what the trust do. But actually to see them and hopefully meet a couple of them and chat to them, I think is would be great as well um but yeah a great cause it always seems to raise a huge amount of money um always i think we've got a couple of legends again coming along so it might be a good chance mm. to to talk to a couple of those as well um but yeah yeah really looking forward to it tom obviously referring to himself then we saw a couple of legends him and nathan being <laughs> and the nathan. with terry but there's going to be uh mike flanagan and, and killer hales i mean obviously for for fans of, of a certain age which um uh, like Terry, for example, that'd be that'd be great to go and see those players. I think I dare say there'll be some more recent players as well on that walker. All the all the money, of course, is organised by the Charlton Athletic Community Trust, who do such great work. And we've, we've spoken to them so much over the last few weeks. And obviously, we'll do some stuff with them nearer the time of the walk as well. But um, I mean, the the, the anti racism stuff we had last week and the uh, knife crime stuff, all, all, the, all the bits and pieces that the, the trust do is always great. But the uh, the upbeat is one that particularly always seems to grab the uh, uh, tug on the heartstrings of the Charlton fans because uh, it's, it's such a joy when the, when the upbeats come uh, to the valley and, and like I say something that the uh, the Charlton Life Forum as well get behind really well 
uh, and they've raised so much money over mm. the last few years. I mean, they, they must over the last three years they must be coming. They must have raised over eighty thousand altogether, something along those lines for the upbeats, which is just incredible. Uh, and I saw the upbeats got to meet uh, Carl Robinson, Tony Watt, and a few. Uh, I think all the players actually. Yeah, on, I saw that during yeah, the week. During the yeah. week as well. So uh, that's excellent news, right? Uh, whenever I've, I've been saving this subject for when there's going to be a week with uh, very little content, and, and uh, so so I've had this one for about three weeks. I wanted to know what our current players look like. They would do. There's, there's a really good fo- uh, account on Twitter which you, you probably won't have heard of, but it's called Football Like a Look. So it's not yeah. lookalikes, which is who are people you look like, but it's like a look. So what they look like, they they should do rather than. Uh, so obviously, I look like I should be a model, but I'm not. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what mm. they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And no one knows. I'm on the radio. Uh, <laughs> Everyone got Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're going for that. So I put that out there to find out what people uh, what people think that uh, that uh, the Charlton players look like they would be. Freddie Wells said that Cashy and Barr would be magicians, masters of the disappearing act. Not bad. Alison Sampson says that not a player, but Carl Robinson should be a, a used car salesman, <laughs> uh, which is fair. After and then she adds, after seeing the video of the players arriving yesterday, I would say that Johnny Jackson would be uh, auditioning for the X Factor. Now, has, any, has anyone seen this video yesterday? Did he come no, and singing and dancing? No. Uh, he's a bit of an indie boy he's not, a, he's yeah. not an X Factor guy no nah. uh, Danny Lay says that Johnny Jackson would be a painter and decorator does he look like one of those to you? yeah, yeah. before Oliver uh, the Nikia Jose fangirl says that Nikia Jose should be a model so me and him could obviously team up on that one uh, Lewis said that Lee Novak would be a teacher who can't play football but gets kitted up on sports day yeah D Stokes would like this one as well said Lee Novak looks like he should be living on benefits <laughs> wow <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, this is all right. Here we go. Texan Bauer said. Uh, uh, Texan, uh, sorry, this is David Walker says Texan Bauer will be stewards for EasyJet. The f- their futures are definitely up in the air. Very nice. Good. And this one's nice. even better. Said uh, David Walker again. Says Andrew Cross, a ticket inspector on the railway. Railway. <laughs> oh right, I get it. <laughs> he says it'd probably be easy to get past him without paying though. Uh, I can't read out George one for Roger Johnson, unfortunately. Uh, uh, Danny Lay says none of our players will be dog walkers because they don't know how to hold on for, to a lead. Uh, Anthony Penton said they will all be mannequins, uh, mannequins in MS. Now uh, Harry Tristams, uh, who's put the extra, he's gone the extra mile here. He said George Teixeira will be an ice cream man. Getting that one, Ahmed Kashi should be a corpse extra on TV. <laughs> he's doing that now, isn't he? Um, Chris true. Chris Solly could be a tea boy. Tony Watt could work in a chip shop. See that one. Oh, I had someone well, for it, a chip. Mm. Oh, I had uh, a Jose in a chip shop because he's good at wrapping things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After oh, that good. little uh, oh, deep fried Mars bar, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, uh, Andy says uh, Josh McGuinness looks like he could be a, uh, a wrestler. I was genuinely thinking that. Was that going to be w- your one? WWE oh, okay. wrestler. Cheers, man. You yeah. nicked it off me. Uh, so I don't know who this is. Roland Anserine says, "Would Roger Johnson work for Pitch London because he's so good at PR?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> very good. Uh, uh, right, have you, got, have you guys got your own ones? Quickly? Well, it's gone now. Yeah. You know, I had a couple of others. Wait, um, I was going to go with Patrick Bauer working in like you know German car manufacturer. You know, it just seems like that. Yeah, I had. Uh, I thought Cross could work for Southern uh, Southeastern as a train driver because he's always late to like every single challenge. Um, I had Freddie Olverstad as my roommate. Um, <laughs> nice. That's, if, that, if that's a paid that, job, I think, yeah. I think the term for that slightly what different. Career, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, a Jose, yeah, fish and chip shop, good rapping skills. Cashy secret agent, you never see him. Uh, Chickson up at Fisherman because he loves a tackle. Yeah. Um, very good, very good. I thought De Silva could be one of those little things by rides to say how tall you've got to be to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, Ro- 
Roger Johnson, I had lion tamer or medical trials or stuntman or anything that, that <laughs> might hurt him. Jesus. Uh, and Bataka could be a waiter after his little stint on... Come, was he it was Come Down? Yeah. 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 L- Lewis Page could be in A&E because he spends all his time there <laughs> yeah. anyway. That's true, yeah. Very good. Yeah, I think I'm out now. Okay, yeah, right. Well, Mark Newby, the chef himself, has, has, has given us a whole a whole list of stuff. He says he uh, loves this, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, "Evening, folks. I was going to do a biscuit list, but after I got because yeah, because we're going to do yeah. players. Of, that was a joke last week, but uh, he says, but after I put down shortbread for Chris Solly, I couldn't do any better. <laughs> so I thought I'd take a stab, a stab at the job centre instead, and alter- an alternative career for some of the Charlton players. Right. He says Johnny Jackson should be an infant school teacher. The amount of youngsters he has to look after. Very good. True. Uh, Ricky Holmes is going to be a plumber he's got us out of the brown stuff this season <laughs> I think Ricky Holmes with his beard he, he almost looks a bit like a French chef doesn't he for mm. me that's why I stuck a French uh, that's one of the reasons I stuck a chef's hat on the other ask, reason was yeah. I had five seconds to think of something before I left the house <laughs> so there we go uh, Tony Watt is going to be a professional artist sometimes a flash of brilliance so sometimes you look and wonder what it is <laughs> Declan Good. Rudd should be a fisherman of, on the North Sea then he will have an excuse when he doesn't catch anything Chris Solly is a caretaker as he often cleans up for others. Tex and Bauer are going to be doormen at a pensioner's disco as they can't really stop anyone younger. <laughs> the gaffer should be a politician. You have to discount 85% of what he says as it's hot air. Andrew Croft should try being a footballer. <laughs> and Roger Johnson, he said, should be a clown. Right, and I'm going to clean this one up because he's putting in, after he said cheers, Mark, he said this one's probably not for broadcast. <laughs> And I'm going to clean this one up. He says, over at Millwall, Neil Harris is going to be a gynecologist because he's used to working with, and I'm going to end it there. Uh, (laughs) Let's have another quick break. We're going to come back. Uh, Look ahead to the international break. Look ahead to to things coming up. If there's anything you want to have discussed on the the last 10 minutes of tonight's Charlton Live, get that over to studio at charltonlive.co.uk. tackle from Croft to come away with it for Cholton. No immediate, too many options. Lovely one-two with McGuinness. Now releases Ulverstead. Ulverstead with Foley taking away on his right-hand side. Carries on with it, Ulverstead. Little Lovely reverse ball. ball into Lockman in the penalty area. Oh, there's the goal! Out of Lockman has buried number two and Cholton's number three. Home of time. Home of time. This is Maritime Radio. Greenwich. Some people think I'm bonkers. Shelton Live. There we go. Lovely stuff. Um, uh, from your your suggestions of what uh, our players would be if they weren't uh, footballers, right? Um, Richard Church sent over an email. Uh, titled Robinson says hi all we're currently in our worst position since 1974 which I was there for and trust me that team was better <laughs> the only reason to keep Robinson is because there is no one else who's likely to be any better new owner and a new manager for me and I mean that is the question I mean if there is not a new owner which is obviously the nightmare scenario I mean is he likely to be kept on by Roman judging by his past I mean he, he sacks managers that's what he does that's what he does for, for kicks I, I think he will keep him if, if he is still still here um, I think he would have got rid of him by now otherwise 
on the, you know, the, the especially during that February, given we picked up three points in the whole month. I at one point I thought he might pull the trigger there, mm, but um, I think we all did. Yeah, so so I think he would still be here next year if um, if Roland is unfortunately still here as well. Yeah, I just think who are we going to get? Uh, and that's something that me and Nate said last last week or week before. Uh, there's just no managers out there I necessarily think we're going to get. Sure, Robinson's last calendar year as a manager has been poor, um, but he, he's a young, up and coming manager. Okay, he speaks a lot, but the bits of what he speaks, if you kind of like uh, it Mark said, if you get rid of the 85% of waffle, what what he actually says about the game, it does make sense and. You know, I think he plays an exciting brand of football, and I do think he's progressive. Um, he does need a bit of time, and he does need to maybe refine his management style a little bit. But if it wasn't him, as I say, I just don't know who else you're going to get. Because, okay, we all know Powell's now out of work again, but realistically, he's not coming back here. Certainly under Roland. Uh, aside from that, who else is it? It's the same old managers. Are you going to get Gary Megson, someone like that? You know, <laughs> like who's out Joel, there? We, we tried to get someone like Chris Wilder, and that fell through. So I can only see us getting a worse category of manager an, at the moment. It's interesting. Parks, obviously, Wilder was the the first pick. Mm. I wonder what yeah. would happened if he was here. Well, so that is a big question. I, I think I saw people debating that on one of the forums last night. But basically, yeah, if Chris Wilder comes in and he, he works under the same constraints that Russell had, Russell Slade. I mean, I think we probably would have seen similar in terms of, you know, don't forget Russell did try and install a bit of discipline around the training ground and install a bit of shape. And don't forget, we were quite solid at the back of the start of the season. Would would Chris Wilder have worked the miracles here that he's, you know, he's worked at Sheffield United? Would would he have? I mean, that's, I, I don't think he would have here, to be honest, because I think of the constraints no. he wouldn't have. Because no. the board at Sheffield United have given him, yeah, here's a budget and you're going to bring in your players. You know? And then if you look if you look at the... I mean, they brought Sammy Carruthers off the bench yesterday. They, mm. This was a team that was already doing really well in the league and they went out and signed you know, one of the better players in the league and they, they stick him on the bench. And they, I think they signed three or four in January to top up what was already a good squad and that's not the way we operate. That's, no. that's not the way we do things around here. No. Is that a squad of about 25 they've got as well? It's probably mm. yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> uh, Marion says, think KR will be here for the, for the time being next season. Don't think so, but he said by that I mean under Roland, he likes to change <laughs> things up. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy says uh, apparently Catherine buys a new pair of shoes every time she sacks a manager to take her mind off it well there we go so maybe Carl Robinson he says so maybe Carl Robinson can go and work at Jimmy Choo's which I assume is some sort of, sh- some sort of shoe shop it is yeah uh, right um, international breaks coming up now this is uh, one day, when you're in League 1 the international break isn't something that necessarily affects you but it does affect us when you're um, a massive club like Charles yeah we I, got, got, so I, I thought we were going to get away with it yeah well I think we've got at least four out because we've got Conza De Silva Conza De Silva McGuinness and Botaka you know we're going off to apply their, their, their trade on the international stage as you'd expect mm. uh, so, so so the plan now you've got to find a thing what you got to fill your weekends with I mean I'm, I'm going over to Crawley Crawley Town to see our friend Alex Stedman uh, see uh, how he gets how he's getting on and really just to tick a Kick a ground and mug off mainly. Let's see how Alex is. And uh, so, so, what have you guys got planned? Uh, not, not a clue yet. Not a clue. Uh, no. I'm going out Friday night, so it means I can just sleep all day Saturday. So. Stuff. I mean, you could do that here sometimes. I could get a job yeah. in our defence. I think I have done in the past as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I don't. I have no plans yet. Hmm. Uh, for, I think as a fan, it's annoying when he's in it. Like I know Carl says those Tuesday Saturdays are, are difficult but for me as a fan it's nice to be able to come down here every, like what, at least once a week my my frustration with it is I mean for, for me I, I live around the corner so it's not really mm. a problem but I feel sorry for the people who have bought their tickets or you know mm. the training down or what have you yeah. you know and it's what a week and a half before the game and it gets called off 
I know, I know that potentially it was going to happen, but you know, it's, it's frustrating for those people. Um, that, that's my my kind of feeling on that. Thank you, Dakey. I've had a good question actually in from Graham Curd, who's listening to the show. It says, "Hi, Louis. Uh, what players would you like to keep out of the loanies?" So as we know, we've got six loanies. So I'll go from from top to bottom as as far as I can remember. So Declan Rudd in goal for one. Uh, would you keep him if you if we had the chance? If we can get one a permanent, yes. Mm, I would say no. No, I mean, because because the question is then. Is is would he be holding back uh, Dylan Phillips, our, our very own? You know, he's your own player. You want you want him to progress. That, that's why I'd say no. I think if it was me in this position now, I'd like to give Phillips a run to the end of the season with a view to bringing in an older keeper who's maybe coming towards the end of his career and happy to sit on the bench behind yeah, Phillips. You know, I think was it a few years ago, Man City brought in Richard Wright, even though he's about forty. Obviously, I don't want to go that far, but I think <laughs> someone, an older goalkeeper like that, so that if Phillips goes through a tough spell, he can be there and help coach him through. That would be my choice personally. Mm. Although I do think Rudd's done a, a fairly good job this year. Yeah, okay, okay. Right, next one, uh, Jada Silva. No, no. I mean, but, it's not, it's not I like what I see, but I just think it's not fair on him because he's not playing games. Yeah, but, but I mean, that's the question. If, if why isn't he playing games? I don't really understand. No, but I think, and also I think Chickson. If we're going to keep hold of Chickson, I think he would be my first choice as left back next season anyway. So De Silva's not going to have any more of an mm. impact than he's got at the moment. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Chick Chickson's been one of my favourite players this year. Okay, mm. right. I think I know my answer for this one. Jordan Botaka. No, 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 no. Unfortunately, okay. I just think he's flat to deceive a little bit too much. Yeah, okie dokie. Right, um, <laughs> nah, not for me this next <laughs> no, time. No, no. All right, uh, Nathan Byrne. Um, yes, yeah, I think I would because he's not really been given his chance, has he? On the wing, he's spent most of his time at right back. So yeah, yeah, I think I'd keep him. Okay, right. Uh, I think I know the answer to this one for Tom. Frederick Alvarez. He's, he's staying. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do what I have to. He's staying. Yeah. Just get him in. Uh, for, for me, since he's been back. And he's actually been able to get, you know, be able to go forward uh, with someone just holding there and letting him play. Then absolutely. Joking he's aside, he's got so much quality on the ball. Yeah, like I just yeah. think we we don't have a lot of players like that, and mm. I think we seem to get through, you know, try and find a new one. You know, the likes of Adarovic that we had in, we had him for a little bit, and then he goes, and then you get someone else. And I think if we could keep him, I think he'd be a brilliant signing. Yeah, and I was going to say I was convinced we had six loanies, but yeah, I forgot uh, Mavadidi's gone back to uh, oh, to Arsenal. Course, but yeah. I mean, if the if the question arose, could we have Mavadidi next season? Mm. I mean, I'd, I'd certainly try I and would. take him on. Yeah, yes, 100%. the uh, newspaper actually this morning said that he's uh, going to be a Championship loan next year. Really? We, we need to put that that late run for the playoffs together. <laughs> uh, uh, Kevin said he's booked a coach coach tickets for a day out in London uh, next Saturday. It's a shame Charlton aren't playing there, really. Yeah, uh, he, he loves a coach. Does does old Kevin? He, oh, young Kevin. He was uh, <laughs> no, no offense, Kevin, because <laughs> 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 uh, uh, he went all the way over to uh, to Belgium. Uh, but he lives down in Somerset, I yeah, think, or yeah, yeah down that way. Down, yeah. yeah, so he had to get the coach all the way up into London, then out to Belgium, then back, then back to wherever he's man, good good man. Where, where he lives down, down in in Devon or Somerset or wherever it is out there uh, right a couple more minutes left I mean if we're talking now about aims for the rest of the season and, and you know with, with, with I mean the, the threat of relegation still lingers above us I, mean, I looked at the odds today 66 to 1 with, uh, with, with Skybet um, really? yeah uh, I'm on 40s so uh, yeah <laughs> but um, I mean Port Vale are six points behind us with two games in hand. The team, the there's a team two points ahead of them, which is I think it's Shrewsbury. Yeah. Uh, so we're four points above them now. So if, if with their two games in hand, Port Vale get at least two points. So then now we're effectively only four points above the relegation zone. I mean, the the, the threat of relegation is is still there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, of course it is. It's, it, you know, it's, it's very very much still there. Um, 
and as much as we were saying earlier that you know we don't usually turn up against the the, the, the lower teams in the league, I think I think we'll have enough to uh, to, to pick up some points. As, as Tom Riley said, I think it's probably one one more win. I think we'll draw a couple of games because you know we don't we haven't drawn many this year, so you know we, we're owed a few on that. Um, and we've we've got enough enough quality to to get past you know get enough points out of Gillingham, Chesterfield, Coventry, MK Dons. Yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll be fine in my mm. opinion. And then, and then I guess it is just a question now of what we look forward to in the summer, and and, and you know where we what happens in this summer could be so so critical for for the future of the club, as we as we fully well know. But it's just just living in dreamland. I just imagine how good it could be if we if we have a full summer with a new owner, where we're just living with that hope, and we actually come into next season with a little bit of you know ex- expectation or at least a reason to try and hope that, that something better is going to happen. Well, it'll be interesting if it you know if it I don't know what the kind of potential time frame is if it is you know happening. Um, it'll be great if it could kind of happen in the early part of April. You know the next. Three weeks because then you can take a bit of momentum and have a bit of a, a busy valley again because there are a lot of people that will come back and, and watch, especially near the end of the season, to, to get that momentum going. So, you know, for, for me, if it could happen in April, or it can happen tomorrow, that'd be great. But um, you know, if it can happen then, uh, then it'll be a real, real good opportunity to, to, to start the uh, start the new season off in the right way. Mm, and that's, uh, I guess, what we're we're all hoping for, right? Don't forget because there's uh, Charlton and now sort of going into the international break. There's not going to be a show on. Uh, on Thursday and there's not going to be a show uh, on next Sunday either which is uh, good for us so we can have a break uh, just finally on the forum uh, Carl Eban said uh, uh, Roland told Robertson the club for sale yeah, is not for sale yeah right he also told him he's getting a season ticket he'll buy him any players he wants next season and his tracksuit top is well fitting <laughs> which is good that's harsh but yeah, probably realistic right mm. this has been Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio thank you very much Tom for coming in cheers Louis and uh, thank you very much to Mr Crispy who we haven't seen for a long time it's always uh, a pleasure to much. have you in the studio here I have been Louis Mendes this has been Charlton Life we'll be back in uh, a week on Thursday as we look ahead to what will be the Peterborough game I think yeah so we're looking forward to, to getting back on the, uh, the airwaves but I hope you enjoy the, the little break and uh, you take your mind off Charlton for a while we'll, we'll see you in a couple of weeks Charlton Life. Charlton Life. Charlton Life. Charlton Life.